0: From the 305 to the 303, this is TCSP. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Dr. Brian and the Casually Serious Band.
1: Welcome to the Casually Serious Podcast, The Mixtape. Today, Hip Hop Heads. I, I i what's going on ladies and gentlemen real quick I, I didn't even have the wherewithal to ask if dr brian and the casually serious band would even think about doing a remix for today's episode but i figured it was too short too short notice
0: no big deal pretty good man another day in paradise here in the 305 how are you doing yeah, there in the denver region we're doing good chilly. man
1: it's it's a little chilly it was really cold <laughs> a few days ago um but as I always say, as long as it's 75 degrees to 80 degrees in my grow tent, it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it the was only really temperature cold. that matters. Yeah, it was really freaking cold, man. And uh, I'm not going to bitch and I'm not going to moan. We I've got a lot of friends and a lot of family, uh, second family, secondary family in Texas that is going through a lot of messed up shit mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. the South is not prepared for cold snaps. Neither is there plumbing. So we're seeing a lot of um, hella shit popping through. But um. Yeah, man. Other than that, we're doing good. Just staying warm. We have a fireplace. Heat rises. All that good shit. <laughs> um. But yeah, chilling out today, man. We've got another casually serious podcast. I tried and tried and tried to get uh a, a someone I had met a, a year and a half ago, I think, Mister Mix, the uh the DJ for Two Live Crew. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. I got. I hit him on a bunch of different um platforms. I texted him on the phone. Unfortunately, he just didn't get back to me. I imagine he's probably doing something, uh, maybe on vacation. I don't know. He's busy. There, Two live crews not torn too much, and 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 Luke Skywalker is not part of it anymore. So, uh, you know, I'm not sure how much uh, music they're making, but regardless, he was cool as hell to us at Hammer's house party that me and Eric Beson went to when Eric B. came up here and visited me out here in Denver, and uh, I wanted to see if maybe he could kind of shed some light on, on some of what we're talking about today, which is hip-hop the beginnings of rap the beginnings of hip-hop and i'm sure a lot of people on on the youtubes um, who might look at this show and 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 see that maybe these two guys that are about to talk about hip-hop might not have the ability to do so possibly second guessing us because of the color of our skin possibly uh listening to the way i'm talking right inside so, say this guy has no idea what hip-hop is about but you'd be really freaking wrong because we grew up when it all started Um, We had the early influences, just as I think a lot of a lot of other early hip hop heads had that were listening to rock and roll and how hip hop kind of came across as rock and roll at first so that they can kind of get into the mainstream and be accepted and then broke off and did their own thing. So we we've got some experience on on a lot of it and and uh, you know i'm I'm definitely I'm definitely psyched about this one. Uh, Andrew Pace is knocking on the door saying what's up man Andrew Pace thanks for coming and hanging out Merk. I appreciate it. We've got a few people on the line. so let's just jump into it and before we jump into it, um, let's bring in our guest man. We have you know, we've been trying to get a bunch of different people hopping in here talking about the topics we're talking about we're lucky enough to have c money popping right now uh i'm gonna go ahead and call him chuck man because he is uh ken man's brother welcome to the show chuck c money what is up dude how you doing man
2: thank you brother i'd love to hear about your tent that you're talking about that's uh really <laughs> fantastic but um I don't. I don't want to know. I don't even want to know what it is. And I like that you brought another white guy onto the show. I, I think that's uh, another another great. <laughs>
3: yes,
1: we fold in the cheese. That's what we're gonna be doing here. People are gonna notice it. But you know what? Like I said, man, we're these we're getting, we're these sneaky little dudes. We're coming in here. We're all Caucasian and and Italian and Irish and Jewish and just kind of making it into your mainstream. And we're gonna drop some fucking bombs on you right now. And you're going to be much wiser for having experienced all of it. I guarantee you this. Um, but anyway, um, I guess we can start the show. Ken, man, we're going to get you up here first, I think, and slide you on over there. Because um, you're going you're gonna to at least give us a little bit of a walkthrough. Because if we don't have Ken, man, giving us a bit of dialogue and doing a bit of narration to the historic value to the music that we love, then it would not be a casually serious podcast. So, Ken, man, make it happen, man.
0: I appreciate that. Thank you very much. And, you know, when it comes to hip hop, um, I've always been a rock guy. I was raised on rock. My father was a huge rock fan. And the kind of music that I picked up on from him was, was pure classic rock and roll. And it really took from hip hop to kind of incorporate a little bit of rock and roll to kind of get my interest. And once it did, it it opened up, I think, a whole different view of that music to me and made me kind of want to know more about it and learn more about it um so when i really look back at hip hop i think it really began as as most people feel it to derive from new york and a lot of it came from african style music and island caribbean style music and as a lot of people kind of worked their way into new york and into the cities outside of you saw this kind of music coming up with um First off, with actually spoken word, you'd hear of last poets and groups that would just not put the music yet to it, but just with their words, kind of rapping poetry. And those were the beginnings of where I think rap kind of came from. And this is in the early seventies. And that kind of transformed into musicians kind of putting music to it. So DJ Kool Herc was a Jamaican American that brought some of the Island music. And basically all he did was just mix different sounds continuously so he would take popular songs and he would mix them in with some island beats and he would keep that continuous music going with with dual turntables which was some of the really early djing that would happen literally just at parties it wasn't like these were groups or bands that were recording these were just parties huge parties block parties outdoor events in new york in the 70s and as more djs began to do that some of them became a little more mainstream africa bombada um, Grandmaster Flash, you know, these were guys that were doing the same thing, but now we're putting the music in with the words together to create a new sound. And Bambada began Zulu Nation at that time in the early 70s, which really was, you know, to white people in the suburbs, a scary situation, but not at all. It was all about music, dance, graffiti, just within the art was all the hip hop scene. And that's really where the early roots of hip hop began and 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 started to take place. And from that when you start seeing the songs that were joined together and scratching started to begin into the late 70s and it all have culminated i think to what most people you know know with the sugar hill gang and and obviously rappers delight when that came out which was the late 70s maybe early 80s but that that was a time where it finally came, came full on into the mainstream and people started to really accept hip hop and where the movement kind of went from there. Um, Curtis Blow from that point, Ice-T who kind of brought in the West coast quote unquote gangster rap movement. You know, that was probably some of the early gangster rap woods would, would coming from, from guys like that. So there was a, it was an interesting kind of foray that I thought, you know, kind of looking back because my beginnings was with, with different groups which we're going to talk about a little bit later but it made me kind of work backwards from there you know from the mid 80s or so when i kind of got into it to get an idea of where this music came from and and there's great stuff to look back on and, and and hear and kind of understand where a lot of the guys that sample beats today get a lot of that from
1: i'll tell you what what's what's weird about ice T? A uh, a crazy little thing is obviously um he kind of coined that phrase original gangster that was his. Mm-hmm. That was his. Right. That was his first of the album, and he, you know, that OG original gangster song was big, and that's really uh, it. Kind of permeated into the cannabis culture to the point where a lot of folks believe to this day that OG is original gangster, when in fact it was really ocean grown. Um, <laughs> but they sort of it sort of attached itself to the cannabis culture as Cypress Hill sort of introducing a lot of that a lot of pre ninety eight bubble cushion stuff into the culture of hip hop. A lot of people started saying OG oh, Kush, but well, that's original gangster, that's gangster. And then it kind of latched itself on, which is kind of crazy. But yeah, Ice-T, I remember Ice-T being some some cutting edge stuff back in the days, man.
0: Right, absolutely, absolutely. And I mean, that's, uh, you know, I, I think a lot of that music at that time kind of got into where, you know, I, I got into it a little bit more, which would have been with Run DMC, with, uh, you know, King of Rock, stuff where you started getting some really heavy guitar kind of mixed in. And, and again, all of this stuff began from those early groups. But once guitar kind of got mixed in with the with the lyrics and then the way that they presented them, um, I was hooked. I, I loved it. I thought it was a great mix. And it definitely got me on board with with hip hop and into some more stuff from there, which we'll get into a little bit further into the show as well. Don't want to get too far ahead.
1: You know, and as you as you were speaking about um some of the early grandmaster flash and and, and furious five i'm thinking of like you know africa bombata and stuff like that as as we see them start emerging into the into into uh the culture they 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 original original hip-hop acts were wearing leather and spikes and studs and and it was real it was really kind of crazy if you think about it only now because back then it worked Back then, it was that—that that was sort of like the edgy. They wanted to come off edgy and flashy, and that had always worked. Always worked sort of as a formula for heavy metal. For you know, Euro and white heavy metal artists and acts, they all wore the leathers and studs at that point, and it was all evolving at the same exact time because the new wave of British heavy metal was all happening right at that time too. So you were you were getting a whole bunch of sort of this perfect little blender of all different kinds of music where there was so much music saturating the world from different kinds of genres back in the eighties that we've learned as young people, how to absorb all of it in different areas and be a fan of all of it where, where I don't, I'm not, I don't know if necessarily that's so much the case now, although, you know, I'm not 18 anymore. So Hmm. (laughs) I don't, I don't have that going for me. No. Um, um, so what do you, what are you saying? the The very first album you ever bought, the first rapper hip hop album you ever bought, Ken?
0: Yeah, the first one absolutely was King of Rock. I mean that that I went out and wanted to buy with my own money. It just it, it it just spoke to me just hearing it. The I mean back then, of course, you had to hear it on the radio and you had to wait till it came on, and then you had to press record on the tape deck. So that's about as far as I could go with a couple songs. So I went out and bought the tape back up. Yeah, it was probably close to that date there. 85 it would have been 11 12. That's about right, sure. Now maybe a couple years later. Might not have gotten that it when it came out. That seems right. <laughs> I was Yeah, it actually is. I mean, I yeah, that's probably right about right about where it was. If you want to
3: with All right.
1: All right. That was pretty big stuff, man. That was real. <laughs> that was real big. You saw that crowd, man. So that was that was Live Aid, man. And you know anybody oh. who wasn't around in in
3: 1985,
1: <laughs> uh, anybody who might not have been around at that time, Live Aid, as you know, who if you saw the you know the Queen movie, that was a big friggin' deal, man. Mm-hmm. And uh, for Run DMC to be part of that and representing sort of hip hop and black culture, I think was a massive deal. Um, and again, I think it was. I, I feel like there was just so much more acceptance back then. D- am I am I odd to be saying that now? I mean, I don't. Uh, it just it does. It just that seems does like, seem it like was, we're going
0: backwards, right? So there was
1: some sort of walk backwards, yeah. Um, and so, and my my very first hip hop album, and and it was Run DMC as well, which is a little bit earlier, uh, which is when it came out. Obviously, I can't I can't tell you exactly the day I decided to walk in and buy <laughs> this album. Uh, it probably was 85, if I'm being honest. I know Ken might have got his the year, or maybe a little bit earlier. I'm not sure, but it, it's that's it's some old stuff. <laughs> it's some really old stuff, and uh, it's I, I, I dare to say it's a little dated right now. But that's kind of the deal. But again, um, the music back then it was it was sort of revolutionary. Very odd to think about um, at, at this point because it was you know it's just sort of a little off. Oh. I I,
3: sorry. <laughs> I mean, but
1: that Robert, just kind of had it, man. Yeah, man. Reverend Run. It was just. It was just. Uh, I don't know, man. It was something new about it. And and again, we talk about growing up in South Florida because all of us did that. Um, we we kind of had the luxury of. Just having a shitload of different fucking people there, so it was almost like you couldn't be made of made fun of from one group of people. Although there was those groups of people that did do that, uh, it didn't happen on such a large scale. A lot of us listened to a lot of different shit. You could hear us listening to this, you know, Twisted Sister, and then going and listening to you know, Prodigy or something. There's really no, the we really didn't have a lot of buffer going on in there. And uh, and uh, see money. We know you're a little younger than us, but uh, what was your first hip-hop uh record or, or cd you might have purchased or download if you will
2: <laughs> no download we're not that old. we're still talking about cassette tape, okay. So I'm not, okay okay I'm, okay I'm not, i don't go <laughs> i don't go that far back but uh, um i think i think what when i think about my first album where you're kind of going through um you know i i really moved to that new york scene i really like it, it kind of got my ear um i like the intelligent piece of it i love that kind of the music where you're just listening to it and it has those beats and where it comes from. And it all came from the jazz part of it. And, and what I, what it really got my ear going through is going to be midnight Marauder by the tribe Call quest from the Queens. Um, that is definitely uh, my first album tape that I would have had. Um, that's how far back it goes.
1: I love it. I love that ad rock and, and uh, MCA are chilling on the front cover of that. We got Dougie. <laughs> There's a lot of there's a lot of great people. Pasta Noose, Ice tea we just talked mm-hmm. about MC Lights on there. It's it's pretty badass, man. You know, giving giving shout outs. Look at that. We got damn, we got two short. Kumo cool D. There's a lot of folks up there, man. Yeah, that was uh, dude. Let me tell you, man. A, a lot of people, and it really it has less to do with um the fact that you know um, five passed away, and and you know there's obviously losses that we are going to occur incur in in all kinds of music, but uh. You know it it was definitely big i I think i it was another one of those concerts i had a chance to i think i might have had a chance to go to out here and i I don't know actually no that that was that might no yeah it was part of a big festival so i didn't go to it it was a red rocks festival i think where they had like a lot of people and i should have gone to it and damn it i didn't because i would have been able to see this (laughs)
2: back in the days on the boulevard of will it we used to kick routines
1: and the presence was and it was our fast track i kicked the mask down so support the frank oh shit <laughs> oh shit man so, so good man. that
0: still plays
2: well
1: <sighs> yeah that didn't that didn't, that, didn't, that, didn't, that didn't that didn't you know like front yeah. to back yeah that album again we were you know, you talking about it. about
2: it you think about good good albums yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Go ahead. I think we're on a bit of a delay. Go ahead, Chuck.
2: No, it's all good. I, w- I was just saying like that album itself, when you think about like great albums and you talk about the beginning to the end, you can just turn it on and hit play. Uh, we, we talked about that you go through you know pink Floyd, dark side of the moon that is a perfect album that goes through i have to say like midnight marauder is a perfect album when you go through from the beginning to the end you can listen to it a million times replay it go through there that is that is i have to say like top album of, of all time
1: yeah and again i, I know that we, we were yeah. we were probably not seeing a lot of it or we, we liked uh, there's a lot of stuff that we saw later on that might not have been to our liking as early fans of Tribe, but uh, I, I, I again that just the early stuff to us is is the most golden stuff in the world, and, and I think at the same time that I speak about or we speak about um, Tribe, we have to also talk about DeLa, um, and I mean I don't I don't necessarily. I don't know if the Jungle Brothers played that big of a part with me personally as they did with the whole movement of all of that. But at the same time, man, De La Soul brought me into places that I that I didn't think I could go as a hip hop fan. Uh, And it's 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 kind of weird to think about. And again, there were a lot of substances I took at, at the very beginning of like, I don't think I think the very first time I listened to Three Feet High and Rising, I was definitely on LSD for sure. And I remember hearing it going, <laughs> what is this, man? Like, is this what rap is now? Like, this is fucking great. Because they weren't just being hippies and 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 saying stupid shit, man. It was like intelligent stuff you had to think All about. Right. It took a conscious mind to understand a lot of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and before I, before I hand it off real quick, um, one of the guys out there, I don't know if anybody has ever heard of this album in their life. Prince Paul is one of those amazing producers for third base as we were talking about the Jungle Brothers, uh, Tribe Called Quest, De La Soul. Prince Paul's involved a lot of that. This is a concept album called A Prince Among Thieves and you have to check it out if you haven't. If we're talking about being able to listen to something from front to back, you have to wa- You have to listen to this album. It's one of the greatest albums. ever. Last is on it from House of Pain. Um, Dude, it's a laundry list. Cool Keith. There's there's so many people and when you listen to how it's laid out, it's a concept album, it's a movie. It's about a guy who gets uh who gets taken who gets taken by his homie for some from uh, for a record deal and all these people play different parts in it. And it is one of the greatest records I've ever heard in my entire life. If you've never heard it, you need to listen to it even even at this point in your life it plays out, man. To hear Everlast from House of Pain play the part of a fucking asshole cop uh in 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 a song with some really fucked up lyrics that you would not be able to play now at at all you'd love that album so definitely check that out
0: interesting i haven't yeah i I haven't heard of that i haven't heard of that yeah when when it comes to to tribe um like my my little brother said um that's it our award, award tour yeah. to begin that album, um, Midnight Marauder, is just incredible. It is story told, and it just this is why the album flows so well. And I think it picks up, but adds so much more melody than from what they had in Low End Theory. And it just shows the kind of band that they are to be able to be influenced by others to a point to where they can m- make little tweaks and changes to their music. And from one album to the next, if you listen to Low End and you go right into Midnight Marauder, you really see the differences in how that band grew. And I, I just found them lyrically to be one of the best. And when it comes to hip hop, I think as I evolved a little bit more away from the gangster rap, I was really big into Ghetto Boys and NWA. And it was just, it was fun, you know, and the beats were were, were popping. And, it, you know, it was, it was fun to, to, to ride around with that music. Um, I then started getting more into lyrics and it made me appreciate a lot of the East coast rappers and especially, uh, guys like, uh, Talib Kweli, um, was somebody who I thought lyrically was an absolute genius. He, he wasn't a very mainstream guy, but, uh, his lyrics to me were, were absolutely incredible. And when you could listen to somebody that can flow like that. And at the same time, have that type of vocabulary and ability to put words, uh, to music like that. Uh, it really did impress me and it, it got me more involved actually and especially the New York East Coast uh, hip hop scene more than anything else. I'm not a huge fan. Um, I know I just said NWA and some of the gangster rap, but I'm not a huge West Coast rapper fan, uh, as we were talking about a little bit before the show and I was dissing some West Coast rappers that I won't do now. And some East Coast pilots. Never mind. Well I'll tell you before don't, don't, before don't we go start
2: after the the West Coast <laughs>
1: we're we're gonna hop we're gonna actually have have Chuck kind of give us a little bit of what he knows about that sort of 90s rap which I know we've we've got a little bit of knowledge of but we're talking about early memories would be really right there for him so before we get into that I feel like we jumped over somebody I feel like we jumped over a section of hip-hop that I simply can't let get jumped over Um, so real quick I'm just gonna throw something at everybody Um, the chronic well you know that that's that's one of them too but no. Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. Complicated.
2: up Cool.
1: What? Nice. Yeah, let me tell you man.
2: So I shot I shot that video. The Godfather. <laughs>
1: Mm-hmm. i shot that video did you, uh, uh, i think name? that was three years ago i think it was three years ago um eric me and rakim did a—I uh, believe it was a 40th anniversary tour the first time they had toured together since um i believe it was uh, uh let the rhythm hit them no 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 sorry um no the ledge damn it i forgot the last 90s <laughs> album they had well they kind of broke up after that they did rakim went and started doing his own thing um, and uh, and Eric B and Rakim broke up as we knew it, and then I kept my ear to the ground for you know for twenty five plus thirty years, and found out they were coming, and then me and my brother Bill went and checked that out. Uh, shout out to my brother riles um and when we actually saw him the next year again uh do sort of like a spoken word thing where he actually told the stories about the songs that he was right and then he would rap like 10 verses from it to a beat but he was sitting down most of the time It was really awesome it was a real it was a tiny little place oriental theater where we saw them and that's where i shot this one and uh it was kind of it was kind of crazy man we were we were just this this close to the god man and i actually uh i have a picture of um him shaking my hand at the last time because I paid a couple of bucks extra and it was right at the beginning of COVID. And I remember saying to myself, why are we waiting in this giant line to just kind of take a picture with raw, you know? And, and my brother was like, yeah, I think he wants to, he doesn't know whether he wants to shake hands with everybody or whether he just wants to take a picture because of, you know, that, that COVID thing that's sort of going around and I'm like, man, what the hell is that? I don't even know. That's how that's when this last sort of interaction happened with Rakim and I. And uh, I, I remember looking, thinking back on that and saying that's kind of weird. But as you were speaking about East Coast and, and lyrical rap and intelligence rap and weaving, we couldn't jump over Rakim. Yeah. We couldn't jump over Big Daddy Kane. We could We're jump jumping over a lot.
0: I think there's yeah. a lot that <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah. And again, we can. And, and you know, to touch on, there's there's genres of hip hop and rap that we actually could get into that would probably be like a 15 part series if I'm being right. honest, because uh, everything from acid hip hop and jazz hip hop that was spawned from Tribe Called Quest kind of spun out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the the lyricists, the stuff that I find right now when I listen to what folks would call current hip hop or current rap what i think is missing from it is the stuff that encompasses what was going on back in the in the 80s which was consciousness and rap trying to trying to get your information across in the most creative way possible uh big daddy kane was the pretty much the king of that shit with the way he kind of rolled uh you know drum roll lyrics into all of it and and actually him and rakim had sort of battles back and forth a lot with all Mm -hmm. that um I don't. I don't really know if a lot of people know that uh, Janet Jackson was actually dating him for a little bit. Uh, there was a line uh, in a in off of his first album uh, where he alludes to something that uh, uh, that that Janet said about him because uh, she wrote a song about him called "What Have You Done for Me Lately." Let that sink in. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, so that's an
1: old ass out. That's an old ass song, man. And Janet Jackson wrote a song about Rakim, and they actually had a battle back and forth, song for song. But that's kind of how the you did it back then, and and it was about intelligence and lyrics and stuff like that. And and I, I get, I understand there's going to be an evolution, but uh, I can't get behind a lot of what I hear currently. So as we speak about an evolution, Chuck, you know, what are some of the early memories you have of listening to hip hop as you first started hearing it? Which I imagine it was probably because of your brother and I. for for some part, and then you going on and listening to your own brand.
2: No, I think, I no, I appreciate that. And you're absolutely 100% right. Much like both of you, I I was into hip hop right at the beginning, Um, you know, more of rock. Remember, when you think about when the music hits you, you think about when you're 13 years old. Think about what what music you were listening at that age, because that's the age that you really get influenced. You take all in, and you just like, you just soak it up like a sponge. So kind of going through there. Yep. And to me, and I know this is controversial, I'll say the nineties was the best hip hop of all time. So it, it is like a bell curve. It starts off from like nineties, it peaks almost at that 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 95, 96, 97, and then just starts to kind of dip down. So that's that's my opinion. Take it know how you want to go through there. But I'm gonna take down to so like a little memory lane for everybody. So if you were born um in Miami, there was something called the Box. You know, if anybody remembers that, it was a it was a TV station that used to play music videos. And these were music videos that were kind of not allowed on MTV. So things that were like banned on MTV were on the Box. So things that you would. See um, on this channel was a paid subscription, not a paid su- subscription, but it was like iTunes and MTV put together. So you paid 199 to like $399 to watch a video. So this is, you call in a 900 number and you put in a digit and you kind of go through there. So think about when we're growing up at that time, um, Miami was big into the Miami-based hip hop. So two live crew, you know, um, where I don't consider so much hip hop, but you think about that. Yeah, there you go. The, that music and that hip hop that go through there. Um, that's that's music you would see on the box. So Ghetto Boys, you know, you would see like Two Life Crew. You would see like uh, Put 'Em On The Glass by Sir Mix a Lot, which you never would see on MTV. That, that shit would not exist. Kind put 'Em On The Glass. So that opens your eyes up to a lot of things. Put 'Em Put 'Em On The Glass. I know you remember that one. You can't even find I do. Out I that, do. that. I do. Uh,
1: I actually Sir just I saw I saw Sir Mix a Lot last year. How many times or when you I when it, I yeah? When I when I met uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Mix from Two Live Crew, it was at Hammer's house party where actually he was playing too mix a lot, which is crazy.
2: <laughs>
1: there you go. So that's that's yeah. what it would and be like. Now, obviously, like so
2: you you'd have like the most yeah you'd have the most obscene things like Aerosmith would be playing, and then you'd have some gangster rapper like a Chronic be playing, and then you'd have um and it would be the same songs over and over again. To be honest with you, like you yeah. people were like. I want to see the, the Chronic played for like three years straight. You. What they would do,
1: and, and I, I remember hearing about this later, what they what, it, what the computer was taught was th- the songs that w- were requested the most, whenever people weren't requesting those songs, they made sure that they weren't being played so that you wouldn't see those ones that you want all the time. You couldn't just kick back and go, oh, somebody else would buy that. It would be like a little reverse algorithm going where they would yeah. take the songs that you didn't see a lot. That's where I heard of like bands like Firehose, like brave captain, like there's a lot of uh, really crazy shit. I'm glad you brought the fucking box up, Chuck, because I don't let anybody forget about that, dude. I mean, I have, I probably could have had a picture that was better than that, but I talked to a lot of folks about the box, man. So keep going, man. My bad for cutting you off.
2: <laughs> no, no, not at all. And, and you know, even you know, starting at that time, and you're thinking even when I'm talking about elementary school, we talked about Disco Rick and almost on Crack Rock. I mean, this is stuff that you wouldn't see on MTV. Yeah, I know, taking it back. But this is this is the start, and this is like the little seedlings that would happen into me. And so I would listen to that. I would listen to Get a Boy's "My Mind's Playing Tricks on Me," which just changed that. That opened me up to hip hop together because it was the music, the beat, and the story. And I would watch that story. And it, like I get those listening to that, so, like thinking about that right now because that song front the end you're just it tells you a story. And that's when I started liking hip hop, you know, that's, and that's a Houston band. That's not even a an band. that's a Houston band coming right. out. That's, that that's huge, man. There. Yeah. And, and something that you don't hear regularly. So, you know, you go through the time and you got Tribal Call Quest, you got Naughty by Nature. Um, you got the Ghetto Boy, you got House of Pain coming in, obviously an element um, of Caucasians coming in, bringing that in to that MTV world. So now it starts getting through. Even when the Beastie Boys, because if you think of the Beastie Boys in the 80s, very corny, to be honest with you. Like I love Lysendale, don't get me wrong, but um, you know, Check Your Head is completely different from from that first album. I mean, that first album that you go through there. So yeah, um, there's a big there was an evolution. Yeah, there's a big, yeah, there's you know, a big evolution. Oh, definitely. You can hear it. But Rick Rubin's beats. I mean, if you listen to that, you're like, wow, I mean it pumps, and you know, in Miami, everybody's got the bass. So you 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 put in you put in a license. Of Ill, it's gonna knock pretty hard, and that's what we thought about when we were growing up. What hit the hardest? Yes, yes. Um, but then go you go to Ice Cube, you know Beastie Boys, Far Side, Dr. Dre owned. Do, so Dr. Dre like basically owned '92 to '94. I mean, let me be honest. Like yeah. you hear it on the radio, it's on MTV. It's on the box. It's even on VH1. I mean, everywhere you go through, it was it was just owning everything. But then you have like these new bands that kind of started fighting through. You've got Wu Tang coming in. You've got you know Tupac, of course, from the West Coast. Outkast from Atlanta. You know Cypress Hill, which obviously you've talked a lot about. Cypress Hill. One of my um, first, well, one of the concerts I went to Cypress Hill. I had an opening band that was there, and it was the Roots, and it was in '95 in Bayfront Park, and that changed my mind because the roots is my all-time favorite band all right hold on hold on hold on, that, real quick real is quick incredible all
1: right so i i definitely had to be at that concert but <laughs> so who who else was there besides the roots because i fucking do not ever remember seeing the roots play which means i either got there after knowing that they would be there early i would got there after them but i don't know do you remember anybody else besides cypress hill playing
2: Yes, uh, it was The Roots were before Cypress Hill, and before that, oh man, it was this band, actually, this kid I went to school with, his brother's band, I, I'll have to get back to you, because I remember, they opened, The Roots played, and then Cypress Hill plays, and it was Temple really? of Green, um concert,
3: yeah.
1: Oh, I, you Green know Green what, I might, not, I might not have gone to that, that's insane that you saw that concert though, because that's definitely, that's a fucking great album, but Wow. Okay, go ahead, keep going. I wanted to make sure I didn't yeah. I didn't forget that cuz yeah. I'm real good about remembering concerts. I'm like, I've saw I've seen them 3 times at Bayfront, but you're right. 95 <laughs> would have been a little later for me, I think.
2: Yeah, the the roots to me, I this the, the band I've seen the most. Uh, I've seen them over like a dozen times and they're spectacular every time they go through, but um so moving on, we're like we're like in 94, then we get to Gangstar Which is fantastic. Guru is one of the most amazing people ever. Craig Mack, and then Biggie comes on the scene. Now Biggie comes onto the scene the way, and he he makes an impact. Not a huge impact at first, and you see it. It kind of progresses. But when you hear Biggie, um, and then that the Tupac, and you're always it's always a competition. But when you listen to Biggie, he's telling that story. He's he's like a playwright. You know what I mean? I mean, in his first yeah. album, he's writing for two different people. He's singing in two different lines. In album. I mean, the second song in general is basically him singing to si- two sides of, of different people. I mean, that's how amazing of an artist he was. But he put it in your head, um, even though it has a gangster part of it into it it had a flow that you can visualize everything in there. And Biggie like changed the game a lot for a lot of people, of course, Um, but really an influence person into that industry and only having two albums um, made a huge impact into the hip hop world. Um, We talk about Method Man, um, Old Dirty Bastard, uh, Goody Mob, love Goody Mob, Mob Deep. These are bands like, you know, we're in the middle, right? This This is in like 95, so you've got this peak of just all the, you got, Tribe Called Quest. You've got Goody Mob. You've got uh, you got Big. You got Tupac. You've got Rakim. I mean, you got the Fugees. You a uh, UGK, Ghostface, Nogs ch- coming on the scene. I mean, it's just it's just for me. That's that's it. Like you're at a peak. So all these people coming in at once. Um, it gets me excited. Um, and then there's other bands that start like showing up. They aren't around that much, but you got like a Camp low. If anybody's ever heard of Camp Loader, their debut album was, I mean, spectacular. Um, Another one that's like a lost gem that nobody nobody really talks about. Um, Rakim, the master that came out, we were just talking about him. Um, DMX, Jay-Z, I put him up there. Ken, I kind of agree. I'm not a huge Jay-Z fan, um, but I, I do respect the work that he's done. And then you know Black Stars another one. you talk about your favorite uh, artist, Black um, star going through there and then most step and then kind of ending in with that M& the end of the, yeah, the end of this and then the end of the year. And that's like the that's like the 90s. I mean, and, and that's where I kind of go through there. You talk about th- the thing about the 90s is that it, it was starting underground to the mainstream. That's what happened. you know you have all these people, these new artists, these people that have been grinding out in New York, in California. Um, you know all over the the country and they're coming out and then they get onto you know these platforms they're making albums they're're they're making millions of dollars and that's when it, it kind of goes through there and then like I said there's some great music in the 2000s but like nothing can compare to that to that decade um that's where I, I, I don't think there, there. I don't think there's so the much-
1: consistency from from 90 to 99 it was not replicated from you know, 20 to 2010 that's for fucking sure um there you know and i've seen some people saying beastie boys we had tammy's in there saying we didn't hear anything about beastie boys you know and that's that's again we we could we would have to sort of be the documentary that everybody has seen uh you know i know that there's a netflix documentary hip-hop that that a a lot of us could probably sound like we're pulling this information from but again the reason why we talked about this is because we wanted to talk about our own representation our own life experiences about all of this um so maybe some of them do parallel a lot of these documentaries but i don't i don't feel like they do because as as we're talking about this and and and, and brian smith saying he saw the beastie boys for the second time with ken man you know we were we were kind of lucky we you know the i'm the very first time i think i saw the beastie boys was out at bayfront park um with with it was always Beastie Boys and Cypress Hill, so like the first time th- that's the first thing that set all of that off was Divine Playground seeing House of Pain open up for Rage Against the Machine, so that was like fun. And, and yeah, and I remember kind of like this is I ha- this has like a rock air to it, like a quality to it, and and no matter what. I think a lot of the hip hop that we hear there's sort of, there's always some sort of connection to rock or heavy metal in some way because of the attitude and usually because of the content too. Most people are just pissed off the fucking government. So no matter what music you're listening to, there's going to be some incorporation of that inside that music. And, and those two musics at one time were really kind of dominating the charts when there were charts and things like that. Uh, The Beastie Boys, we can't, gloss over but you know we, we could talk about them for a long time as well every one of these artists can be spoken about for an episode easily uh, but I, re- I think that eighty 85 to 95 might have been like the biggest explosion of growth for hip hop and then everything else
0: is sort of fallout from there right and Beastie Boys I mean obviously you know is a band that had a, quite an evolution as, as Chuck was mentioning just a few minutes ago I mean if you look at what, you, what they first put out and where they started and where, what they evolved to, um, you know, you really don't want to just categorize them as hip-hop. And it's, it, you could lend their, what they gave to the hip-hop scene to a show like this, for sure, but at the end of the day, I feel like you're kind of going over other people that were really trailblazers for hip-hop overall. I think the big thing with with Beastie Boys is that they were three white guys, you know, and that was something that everyone said, like, "Oh, this is great, it's three white guys," you know, and and they're acting all hip hop and dressing urban and doing all the things that you know these other guys are doing, and and it, 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 they were accepted and it was fun and it was kind of corny a little bit, as as Chuck said, whereas some of these other guys were trying to talk the truth, you know, and as I mentioned earlier, not a big Biggie Tupac. Uh, fan at all? I wasn't really into that scene at all. But what I will give them, and, and I think Chuck, you said very well um, about their lyrics and how you know I was into the gangster rap stuff. That was just obviously just for me fun. It's, the stuff they were talking about wasn't something I was ever going to be getting involved in. But it was it was fun, and you knew it wasn't real. But when you listen to those guys, you knew they were speaking the truth. So they were their, their gangster element was actually real life, you know. And, and I'm not taking that away from NWA. I know some of those guys had some of that too. But we've all seen the documentary, so we know the truth. But, you know, with these guys, I feel they were talking more to the truth of what was really happening on the streets at that time in the mid-90s. Um, where the music was more accepted. It was much more mainstream. So your message meant a lot more when you put it out there because you were getting across to a whole lot of people what you were saying. And you saw how much it, it really got across to the point where, you know, both of those guys are are gone.
1: You know, Ready to Die was, was um, big for me. Like, I, I, I remember when it dropped. I remember listening to it. I remember saying to myself... Because even back then, he was sort of a new wave of old hip-hop. And there really wasn't anything much more gangster than Biggie at the time. Do you know what I mean? Like, you could hear a lot of gangster rap and talking about drive-bys and shit. But for him to talk about what he talked about to the depth he talked about, talked about it was a lot different than the other gangster rap. He had this sort of intelligent – it was definitely like a mixture of, like, KRS-One, Gangstar, and Biggie because there was a smoothness about him telling you, put, put the clip and put the bus to shit. You know, like it's just, he made it all sound fucking beautiful. Like it didn't. And, and I just remember listening to his music going, what the fuck? Like, like, like how the hell can he keep coming up with this? And there were these continuous evolutions through hip hop. So we are definitely skipping over some people. And for all you folks that are watching right now, if you think there's one hip hop crew or hip hop group that we glossed over, throw it in the comment section right now, because we'll address it here in a couple minutes
0: man i mean chuck alone spit out like 40 names in his little thing yeah. there so you got yeah to, he covered a whole bunch man which is great because he kept having me nod in my head going all right all right all right I'm, I'm i'm vibing with some of that you know mid late 90s stuff i guess a little more than i thought i was you know but um you know when you hear all those names and you hear all that music um it, it was quite a bit and you know when you put those names together too it's like man those are that's such different music within the same genre Like these guys were really doing completely different things, but they were being accepted within the same genre, which was what's what made it, I think, really interesting. But at the same time, um, may have been the death of it, because the way I hear your timeline, Chuck, is that Eminem killed hip hop, right? Is that what you're saying (laughs) live right here on the Casually Serious podcast? Eminem killed hip hop,
2: (laughs) I didn't say Eminem kip, killed hip-hop. I don't think he's the greatest. There's a lot of people <laughs> that would say he'd be the greatest. But um, I, I definitely to put him in there. Yeah. But I think that it, it all comes down to – I mean, think about think about the disco era, okay? I mean, we're going back into the 70s. No. The disco was an no. underground – you, you can't do. make so, us. We don't have to do any <laughs> that. <laughs> it was a club. It was, it was a gay community. It was a club. It was a fun thing to do. It, didn't, it it what didn't come until it was popular and then it was commercialized where people hated it. And that's kind of where hip hop went. It became very right. commercialized. I see your point. And if I you see start seeing on the goddamn McDonald's commercials, that's when that's when when, when the industry's buying in for for hip hop for some bullshit for Big Macs, that's when it loses its flair a little bit. And that's where yeah. that's where I compare it to
0: especially when it's supposed to be something more underground or you consider it more underground because that's kind of how rock and metal was too for us i think and when mtv was out you know you didn't really see metallica or iron Maiden. and none of these guys were on mtv so until they started to <laughs> i think that's where it also lost a little of its luster for us too and you know I, at least for me with with metal you felt like oh why are these guys selling out why are they going out you know to the commercial thing, but at the end of the day, I'm obviously they're all in business to make money and that's what they're trying to do. Well, you just got to appreciate the music, I guess.
2: Yeah. 100%. But remember when I, st- when I was really young, it was, it was like Michael Jackson and hair bands, like that's when <laughs> yeah. it was like, that's, that's the music and that's, hair music. Bands, so it's just like, what bands. is going on? Yeah. And then, and then grunge came in like, this is, this is fucking music. And then you get into the hip hop, and that's where that
1: now that this is music, volume one. Rage
2: against the machine, you know. The, and I did see, I did see Rage against the machine with Wu Tang. Let me just tell you, Wu Tang was, was terrible, <laughs> and yeah, and and that they were terrible. And when Wu Tang left, half the crowd left, and we rushed to the front um, and Rage, Rage, against <laughs> Rage against and machine, ripped right, all of the seats out no. and the
3: that's he crazy got ripped man.
2: out. and that was just yeah. actually I, I found i found your best friend out there so in the middle of the, the crowd so it was, was, it was at amazing. That, show Great time.
0: that was good times man those and that was always neat when you had the, those kind of collaborations i was at west palm to see wu-tang and rage so unless there was i was at the show 100 with jamie davy we we're absolutely at that show we were in the probably in the 12th row just off to the right we were really close
1: Anyway, well, I tell you what, if, if we're if we're gonna if if we're gonna go ahead and talk about some of the more Caucasoid uh, hip hop in in the world, I'm I'm just because I like making these lists. I love compiling lists of best of in my head. I'm just like that. High Fidelity is one of my favorite movies. I, I just it's just one of those things I like doing. Uh, my all time favorite white rapper, using uh, <laughs> <laughs> fucking using it, um, is actually the driving force behind this very overlooked album right here. Uh, And and very, very bad resolution. I apologize for that. Uh, If anybody did not listen to House of Pain's second album or their third album, Truth Crushed to the Earth Shall Rise Again, that was the name of it, Mm. um, you're missing out on a lot of really good shit. Before Everlast decided to call himself Whitey Ford and sort of vomit sandpaper and and gravel into a microphone for... (laughs) the next 15 years or so he uh he oh, was right. doing really good shit with house of pain and you know this truth crushed album has a lot of really good shit on it and 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 cockneyo dyer is in there so there's a jamaican influence in a lot of it and uh, prince paul i think moved away from a lot of the production on it so it's really just an in-house uh um album but that end same as it ever was same as it ever was is great there's a lot of really dark lyrics on there and uh you know it it's just it didn't get it didn't get the rotation because it didn't have a hit like jump around i think matter of fact uh on point was the um was the hot single off of that one and i don't even know what might have been the single for this one uh oh fed up yeah fed up from this one Yeah. So, which is kind of crazy, but you know, and and then he went on and did this thing, Whitey Ford, which again, he, I think was massively creative for him. And his, his daughter, I think has a, has a disease that he had to address. So he's sort of like uh, at, at the end of like the Whitey Ford thing, he actually got back with DJ lethal and Danny boy and created La Coca Nostra with um slain and ill bill which is one of the sickest crews i've ever heard in my life so anything you hear from lcn la coca is basically all house of pain with two new people added to it and it's fucking great um so check that shit out but i i think everlast i needed to give him his props because coming from the early days of Ice T and uh and, and that influence because Ice T is who gave everlast his break at the very beginning with i got the knack and all that really, really early shit that Everlast broke out with. He was kind of doing that, that dancing stuff that uh, I guess a lot of, a lot of uh, white rappers again? did. Were, I'm not going to do that again. <laughs> Everlast already is going to hunt me down and shoot me because he said, I didn't fucking do that. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I really think that he's he's one of the best out there. And obviously, we could talk about a lot of different uh, rappers, but uh, I don't know if, if, if I agree with eminem being the greatest but i can't say that he's not either i just w- if we're talking about lyrically i don't know a lot of people who can do what he does with words man so i don't know that's a tough one not if not fan who fan is that ken man if not who is who well, is the greatest mc to you uh, white MC,
0: uh, white guy rapper is MCA man.
1: <laughs> no, we don't have we didn't have to go white rappers. I was just saying. I no, thought you
0: were going white rappers. I mean, that's no, what I thought like, you. It. I think that's what Chuck was saying. I mean, you're not putting Eminem at the top of all rappers, are you? I mean, come on, man. I right? think that's that's no.
1: definitely something that's 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 uh, it's debated dispu- right it's now. Yeah. yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. And ask Joe Budden. He
0: he wouldn't. Yeah, no, he, wouldn't right he definitely now. wouldn't be up there for me. He probably wouldn't even be in the top twenty. Wow. All right. So who, who, who who has better rhymes than Eminem? Who has better? Well, I mean, like I said earlier, Talib Kweli for me, best lyricist that I've ever heard in hip hop ever. I'll put his lyrics up against anybody all day long. So, I mean, if you're just speaking lyrically, I mean, his, I liked his sound personally. I thought, I thought he had a good flow. He had a nice sound for me, but obviously he wasn't, I don't know, mainstream enough uh, to really, to really be out there. But to that, for sure. Lyrically, I put, I put him ahead of, of anybody. And then you got, I mean, you you could, you could name two guys in tribe that I'd put ahead of them right there. I mean, and also anybody in, uh, in Dela, I mean, you, you got, you got butterflies and ladybugs and they're all better. (laughs) Yeah, I I think it's
1: hard. I think it's hard because what, what you, in order for you to be one of the greatest in my eyes, and obviously I'm going to ask you, Chuck, who you think is, um, You have to do something I believe that's revolutionary it it, that changes. In whose mind?
0: In whose mind though? In whose mind are they are you being revolutionary? I
1: suppose it is an objective thing and subjective and I mean it it, isn't it because we're all talking about different folks that kind of did different things to us. Who do you think's the great the goat? Who's the goat to you, Chuck?
2: I mean, that is a really hard hard answer. I mean a question to answer. I, I would say like if I put a couple, you can't say the best. Um, Nas, I would say is, is up there. Rakim, you you said him, and and my boy Guru, um, underrated, really underrated. Yeah, recipes. One of the
1: best, man. One most, of the best. And
2: even dude. Even, even even like most def, I, I love most yes. def. So like, there's, there's just there's a lot of there's a lot of great mm-hmm. artists out there. Um, I can't say I can't say Biggie because he didn't have a long enough life to, to give. So I, I can't say that, but like, lyrically, I, I love the work that he did. So, but, but mean, he was there's, revolutionary. There's
0: like yeah, I mean, he was I revolutionary. Mean, Dre was revolutionary with the chronic. I mean, if you just talk revolutionary and you're not necessarily going to, you know, you, people consider Dre as a godfather in a lot of ways, just because of the way, you know, hip hop kind of transformed behind the chronic. But I, I don't necessarily know if that's the guy you put at As your kind of main 100% behind that, Method Man was another one who I absolutely loved. I mean, and that thought I'm going with sound now. Like, what the sound that I like to me was was coming from a guy like Method Man, too. So, Outkast, that was another one. Very, that's I mean, um, Andre is incredible. So, I mean, there's a lot you can can put in there, you know, and they're all going to be ahead of Eminem. Every one of them are ahead of Eminem. Sorry, (laughs) not sorry. (laughs)
2: <laughs> one person that we didn't we didn't talk about that 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 died way too young is Bill, um, could have been one of the greatest. Um, that's that's who, who probably is that? somebody that I would have. Said. Big L.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, and Big L. Big L is a massive influence to the some of the greatest hip hop artists we've ever known. So you're right. And there was, and again, that's also not a very big. We don't have a huge cross section to go with with him, but he did do enough while he was around which had a lot to do with underground mixtapes and shit like that where you're right big L's a huge part uh, of the of the hip hop scene that you a lot of people don't talk about um, those that know they know
0: i don't know yeah
1: you don't know <laughs> yeah I mean, and again and i, I saw someone put diggable oh, well. up there you know there was this I, the diggable, 90s was man, this diggable. weird. the 90s had this weird sort of cultural Uh, there was a lot of misfit hip hop happening at the time, meaning there were these people that didn't necessarily want to be part of the mainstream, but wound up being part of the mainstream because they didn't want to be part of the mainstream, which (laughs) diggable diggable was part of that. Like you had like young black teenagers, which did not consist of a young black teenager at all at the time. Um, And, and, you know, and then far side and a lot of experimental hip hop, a lot of what I call acid hip hop, which was really trip hop and some weird shit, experimental stuff that, that got a lot of backbone and play because of tribe and and de la soul. So there was this huge experimental area. And I mean, I, I suppose I can't complain now because for all I know, this could just be another experimental part of hip hop. Only I don't like the experiment because the, the, uh, the, the stuff that I hear now is horrible. Brian, thanks for popping up. DOS DOS is easily one of the greatest hip hop groups in my, in my mind. Um, i'm not even talking about i'm not even talking about that first album the the second and third album are groundbreaking but um there's just like i said they're part of that too because epmd signed those guys and and we didn't even fucking talk about eric sermon and paris smith like epmd was a massive part of hip-hop because again epmd was the red man camp and then you know red man put all these other groups on um and so there's a lot of shit we're glossing over but look if we don't want to make this a two-hour show we're gonna have to have to stick to the meat of it right now and again this was really about personal stuff and and uh, I, I'm glad you brought that up and, uh, yeah DOS Effects is one of the greatest to me um, because just again original come up with something that I have to think about right did st- 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 Stiggity say some shit to me and I'm like I gotta be like alright what did you just say because you bump the hell out of that fucking verse <laughs> and I didn't I don't really know what it was I've got to go back and listen to it and it's sort of like gone or I, I don't know I don't know I remember it being an experience back then Mm-hmm. the the uh, whether it's an, a cd popping open a tape popping open uh a, a vinyl hitting the re- uh, hitting the needle when, when when you heard someone like guru taking you through uh you know the first two or three albums they did as gang star and even the Jazz stuff was fucking groundbreaking stuff um there's just some people that you know i i, I don't think i don't want to get i don't want them to get lost in the shuffle in terms of memory when you're creating new hip-hop and I don't hear people throwing back to that shit. So right. the, the problem with coming up with a new kind of music is that you almost wipe out the old kind of music that brought you to where you are right now. And I don't see a connection between current hip-hop and past hip-hop.
0: Right. I definitely agree with that. And I you wonder if that uh, equation will come back together again as it, as it evolves further and you kind of see some old stuff coming back again. And we often do see that in music. So... Um, I think you will see that more and people kids also tend to want to kind of look at the retro stuff and they want to pull stuff back out when they're getting sick of kind of the same old music and I feel like some of that's happening now a little bit too I am just the old guy that's like ah, what are you playing this is terrible but I I do feel like somewhere in there uh, something good's going to come of this again I've always been to the of the of the camp that you need to play an instrument, you need you need to do something to show me you have some sort of musical talent. Being able to hide your voice behind a bunch of effects and you know using all, everything on your computer to make the full sound of what you're doing, okay, there's some talent to that. I'm not interested personally, so I want to get back to where people really do have talent. Musicians have talent. They write their own music, they play instruments, they write their own lyrics, they tell stories again and do it in a way that a listener can actually enjoy. Um, because maybe it is when I'm just older, but the more I listen to stuff from, yeah, pretty much 2000 on um, and talking like top 40 type stuff. I don't know a lot of what they're saying. And maybe it's, I don't understand the vocabulary. Some of it, I just can't understand at all. And if I don't know what you're saying, and like you said, bump, skittling, bump through everything. So I don't know what the hell's going on. I'm over that, man. I'm done. I don't know what you're saying to me. I want nothing to do with your music anymore. Unless it's Busta. I love Busta when he just flows and just does that craziness. I don't know what the hell he's saying, but it sounds awesome. So that I'm good with.
2: Ken, you're old you're, yeah, your man, get off my grass. That's what you're telling me right now. And, <laughs> and you know, yeah, we go back, we go back um, and you talked about, you, you know, I said like Wu-Tang was not a good concert. It's just, you're right. When in, in, in hip hop, sometimes the concert does not show the talent that, that they are. Right. Um, just because the atmosphere is not the right place. And you know, an amphitheater, they don't sound good, you know? And so like right. I ask you right now, Bob, what do you think is your best concert? that like you saw as a, for a hip hop band or an an individual, an artist that you saw that you're like, God damn, you are amazing live.
0: Uh, That's a good question. That's a really good question, man. That's good. Because I'll give Bob a second to think about that. while I I interject real quick, but because I feel similar, I'm not going to answer the question obviously, but I wanted to know what, I mean, I feel the same way. Like when I went to hip hop live, I'm like, what is this, man? I don't even—I can't even kind of follow what's going on. Everyone's just screaming in the mics. You're right; it doesn't really transcend out of the studio as well as rock can or music in general, where you've got instruments you can kind of tune up and do what you got to do. So, I mean, I'll have an answer when Bob's done for the one I thought I was most impressed with. But you know, going to certain shows, I was like, "What's going on here?" You know, that Up in Smoke tour I saw with Dre and Eminem and Cube and all of that, and I got to say, that was like. It was just a bunch of noise, and these were some guys that I liked in there, man. But it was a bunch of noise. It sounded absolutely terrible. I got back in my car after, you know, put put it on in the car, and it sounded much better. But man, it sounded terrible live. I ain't gonna lie.
1: So that's a tough one to answer, man. All right i i, I didn't get to, I didn't get to. I have to mention if we're going to talk about live and we're going to talk about the incorporation, and I'm going to throw a little shout out real quick. Uh, we're going to throw this out at you real quick. So anybody who doesn't know about what this is um, really can't fully answer the question that I'm about to answer. So the answer is Beastie Boys. Now, can I give you one particular concert? I don't know that I can do that. I know that, that I heard license to ill. And then my brother, Bill said to me, did you know they were a punk band? And I was like, nah, these guys aren't a punk band. And he's like, yes, they are. Here's this tape. And he handed <laughs> me this exact freaking tape and said to me, listen to this. And so I heard that. And then later on, um, one of my favorite Beastie Boys albums ever, uh, Paul's Boutique, they did Eggman, which was a, a very trippy song. But th- that song is actually on this tape in the form of a song called Egg Raid on Mojo. So. It's really, really cool to kind of hear the punk, the punk rock that we, we all know. Kind of they were, but back then that wasn't very common knowledge. It was just sort of like they blew up, and there these three Jewish dudes who were trying to rap. They're like, "How'd that even happen?" You know, mm-hmm. and, and they don't really understand. They had already been grinding with members of uh, what did they wind up being uh, uh, Naked Eye, Luscious Jackson. Um, so Luscious there was like Jackson. a lot of a lot of crazy uh, mixture in there. But you know, I, I would probably say the first time I saw them. Um, in a, in, a, in a smaller venue, would have been the last time I saw them in Miami. No, not the last time I saw them. They were, they opened up, the, the Fushnikins opened for, up for them in, um, at Cameo, at the Cameo Theater. And I think this is the first tour that they did with instruments. So it might have been Check Your Head, if I'm being honest. Uh, and if that was the case, that kind of lines up correctly. So Beastie Boys at the Cameo Theater, Check Your Head tour, all live music, that whole fucking, uh, 5 minute 7 minute skits just the the trippy shit they were doing was really cool. I'm not in love with that Beastie Boys and I'm going to go on record as saying that. Although I love a lot of that the music and the band and the and you know when they brought the instruments back into it that's cool but I always fast forwarded through those to get to the straight hip hop flute loop fucking you know all the real crazy just deep hip hop shit. Um I that was what I really loved about the Beastie Boys but you know I could also say that that divine playground house of pain thing too because house of pain and cypress hill and funk dubious that soul assassins thing became real big in miami too they came down for like five or six consecutive years and you know we saw them with rollins band in miami we saw them with each other and then all like different bands so that's a tough question dude but i i, I don't know i i think maybe since i knew they were rap and i found out they were punk later seeing them seeing the beastie boys in concert with their instruments was really sort of like a what the fuck dude like all right i guess they do know their shit so uh, i'm going to go with that one
0: you mentioned divine yeah, playground
2: and you, you, ahead, you, you, you talked about a you talked a little bit about it earlier um and then i'm going to bring it back is you were talking about early days of rap remember they were wearing studs and leather that's because yes. there was an intertwine of the of the punk scene and the hip hop yeah. scene they were very much similar um, the crowds were similar that were going that in that New York scene. It was the same people that were seeing punk bands were watching these hip-hop bands. So that that whole dress code kind of like came from that whole world. And, and it's, it's such an interesting piece you said that. And I love the cameo because that's I saw House of Pain in the cameo back in the day. That was my first first band I ever saw. So that's, that's what I thought about too when you keep saying it.
1: Ken, you were going to – I think you yeah, were about you to uh, – mentioned earlier
0: – I'm sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> that was just going to go to this. This is where I was going to go is Divine Playground because you brought it up a few times. I mean, look at this. Look at this lineup. I mean, are you – this is insane. This was an all-night event that they did at Bayshore, which is in Miami, right on the water in downtown Miami. It's Bayfront Park, actually. And they did this uh, – This whole event with two stages, so you had, I think it might have been three stages, but the two main stages was a rock stage that was just set up and open kind of in the middle of everything. Um, No seats, obviously, just get up there and get in front and see who you could. And then there was this huge stage set up for all the DJs, you know, for the Utah Saints and stereo MCs. And I mean, it was absolutely just an insane event that really blended that I mean, a little bit of everything, really, because you had, you know, some of the electronic music in this. You had hip hop in this. You had some rock in here. And it just mixed all together so well. It was so much fun, this, this show. They wound up kicking people out a little earlier than they said you could stay there. I was there as late as I could be because I was influenced by something. And it was uh, it was great fun and the entire night. Music from whatever you wanted to hear, wherever you wanted to hear it. Absolutely one of the best events that I've ever been to, i got to say, right there was yeah. Divine Playground. 90
1: yeah. what 93? Whoo, dude. Uh, that is insane. Actually, I want to say that's not- I thought it was 91 if I'm
0: being honest. I can't see that. It might say 91. My eyes are terrible, yeah. even no so, glasses.
1: To break it down real quick for anybody who's as is, is old as we are and stay and kind of has not been in sort of like the dance scene, Kyoki became a monster, but he is listed down here underneath uh DJ Dimitri, I believe, who was the DJ of Delight at the time. <laughs> uh, and and after that is a sort of like this grunge metal band called Wool. 808 State was like just some great fucking trip hop trance music, and then after that was House of Pain, which is none of that shit. Um, <laughs> and then on the other stage, obviously, as you can see, Mayday. There's DJs right there, and then Rage Against the Machine somehow gets thrown in there, which obviously they they're they're part. It's part of a big tour, their opening tour for them for their from their debut album. But then Utah Saints and Stereo MCs. So those are two big 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 trip hop sort of like dj stuff and anybody who who knows um that what's that what's the name of that current uh, ultra is that what that festival is in yeah, Miami yeah yeah so the reason why ultra happened is because of this
0: right 100% and
1: and, and yep. the ability for them to say we can bring all of these insane different trip hop and trance acts and stuff like that and and i i hate to spin off into this part of it but during the time when this was happening 1991 was a huge cultural shift in in a lot of things and a lot of different people were listening to like trip hop and taking ecstasy and going and listening to bands like house of pain and stuff like that that's how the reason why this worked so well is because this was miami florida at the time i don't know if they took this anywhere else i really think it was one day in miami florida fucking that's it but at, at the same time They didn't, it it was unheard of to throw these people on at the same time. And I think they found a lucrative, they were like, oh shit, we can keep doing this, you know, because this, at that time, that's what music was. And then eventually, I think concerts kind of were exploded at that time um just single concerts in the end because i remember seeing like i went and saw duncan chic with jewel down the street from there and then probably mm. a month later i saw you know uh you know another band like there was just so many people coming to south florida at one time yeah. and it, it just i know that it doesn't happen anymore i haven't been there in a long i haven't lived there in a long time since 97. but uh you know it, it's it's definitely miami was the scene at one point There was sort of like we got all the east coast stuff over there it was it was a lot of fun but beastie boys definitely i feel like they brought some crazy shit live and and um you know there, there's been bands since then but still i don't know i i saw them at, uh in san antonio for the hello nasty tour and was fucking blown away then too with that music and the round thing they were doing like it was just like you know they never ceased to amaze me the beastie boys because you know as fans we love them and right. they did everything they could to sort of jump in the crowd with
0: us i definitely agree
1: well, it looks like uh, we're kind of winded down here and we're we're at about an hour and six minutes, which, you know, we were talking earlier. Giggity giddy. Let's try and get this down to 20 minutes. <laughs> That's fucking hilarious. Tammy says, I feel like today's hip hop has fallen in love with the same basic beat. Like every song at its base is just what I call boom, boom, get it, get it. Cardi B, Kendrick Lamar. Kendrick is like pretty sick, though. Like lyrically, the dude's a beast. Uh, but I know what you're saying I, as someone who is uh in the area of age that you are i know you're a younger gal um but uh at this i know what you're saying and that was actually just a really really sweet way of what i said earlier uh of saying what i said earlier <laughs> because I, I don't even think i tried to make it sound as eloquent as that it's just like it's all fucked up right now it's all fucked up right now um i i can't i can't begin to understand it and and i get that if there's a drug influence, it would cause people to slur and I, I can maybe get all that shit too, but it's just uh, like, I want to, I want to believe that it's just me going through what we just talked about. That's making me say this shit is not good right now, but it, you know, it might just be my age, which is no, hard. It's
0: just, it's just not good right now. You're just old. And, <laughs> yeah. It it, maybe it has something to do with it, but, I don't think so. I think it's just terrible. I th- honestly believe that kids are going to start wanting to look for something different and that's going to really bring them to pulling out some old stuff and listening to some different stuff that if that becomes more popular and that's what people start downloading again, then that's the way music can start to go because at the end of the day, the way music is now, uh, people are just going to be looking for you know what's going to sell and it, the passion behind music and the personal side of music, it's hard to hear it anymore with new artists. I, I have to say, and, and I really do try to keep my ear open to it as much as I can. And I, I just, it's not working every, every now and again, there's an artist. I'll be like, okay, you know, here, here's something I'm impressed by people who write their own music, people who play instruments, people who, you know, write their own mm-hmm. lyrics. As I mentioned that kind of stuff. Even someone like Taylor Swift, I have no interest in Taylor Swift songs at all. But you know what? She writes her own music, you know, and, and she's a songwriter and she can do her own stuff. So I, I'd give her a little bit of credit because she does it. don't like her music at all. though.
2: Get off we my wall. You ain't got the lock, Craig. You ain't got I,
1: I, I want to give some shout outs real quick before we take off because we're running a little long, but that's all right. Yes, um, yes we are. Sorry. Andrew Pace always saying what's up. Thanks for coming and hanging Thanks, out Andrew. with Tammy. Tammy, as always, ah, yes. uh, I usually on, you're in there on YouTube as as some sort of sparkling name that I can't, I don't know, <laughs> what it is, but John uh, Claude. John Claude saying, what's up, Charlie? How's it going, Amy? Thanks for coming and hanging out. Hey, um, yeah. Oh, Brandy, what's up? You came to hang out. I'm glad Hi, I got Brandy. to see uh, a comment. I know uh, at least she last show or the one. show before. You weren't able to kind of get in there, but now you can You can communicate with us. That's awesome. And, yeah, that, I mean, I'm glad you brought it to the box, Chuck. That was just – <laughs> I've, I've got great memories and horrible memories because this is all went to my mom. Um, that whole fucking show <laughs> went to my mom. And and uh, let's see, Brian Smith came to hang out. Sarah, That's what's it,
0: up? Outcast.
1: Tigra and Bunny. Bunny. I, who, you've been pushing Tigra and Bunny. You two both pushing Tigra and Bunny. <laughs> look with cars cars, the cars that go boom, man. I, I don't know, man. <laughs> That was it. That's all. I remember they went to our high school, right? Didn't they go to Miami Sunset? The, the, did really? They graduated. Yeah, I think I think Tigra, I think, did. That's the, funny. The very, um oh Michael, that what's mean? going on? First time watcher, listener. We'll be back. Thank you. I appreciate it. Right, hey, thanks, that. Mike. I think maybe next week we're gonna call it three white dudes. I don't know. <laughs> There's really there's gotta be a. I'm. I'm actually really, really looking forward to the backlash from this particular episode. There's no backlash. Off. Come
0: on. There's no t- t- backlash. <laughs> we gave some great information and some really ridiculous antidotes all at the same time. How could you not yeah. appreciate that? A- at it's the very a least,
2: subject for a lot of people.
0: Yeah, people that are pissed off that hip hop sucks now.
1: Well, yeah, because all we're going to do is talk oh, about how great it was in the, in the <laughs> 80s and 90s and why it's not even ever going to be close to that. Again, I think we're waiting for some sort of revolution that, um, that, you know, I think the problem with it is we're waiting for something to happen that existed when record companies and record labels were active. Right. But since, since that has been taken out of the equation right now, I don't think that this audio revolution is going to happen until, unfortunately, what you are talking about, Ken, is... People making it themselves, man, producing it at right. their house, which is really what's, what's what what hip hop has sort of become. And and again, that that also what what happens there is that some people make it in that don't belong in there, like people right. that suck, kind of squeeze in there. Whereas before, there was some old white dude going, "Your shit sucks, son," you know. Like <laughs> now, there isn't that. There, you just plug right. yourself in, and you're in the freaking internet. And, and, and all of a yeah. <laughs> there's it's a little bit of a different now. But uh, everybody's I, I a know.
0: journalist. Everybody's broadcasting. Everybody can do whatever they want to do. Everyone's Even some people podcast. are doing podcasts and crap like that, thinking that people are actually interested. It's a crazy fucking world.
1: Yeah, I don't know what to say about it. I know that I'm going to continue to talk, though. What
0: the hell? Yo, know, the sign is real simple, b.
1: It says wrap it up.
0: Yeah, we got to wrap this show up. It's about right. Yep.
1: All right. My bad, <laughs> guys. Thanks so much for for hanging out, Chuck. Thanks for coming and chilling with us. I appreciate Thank you, it, Chuck. man. My brother. Thank you. Chuck is in the house. Awesome. I like to say I'm the first person I called him Chuck. I don't know if I am, but we're going I'm gonna cling to that. I'll write it on my uh on my tombstone. Um, Michael is coming in. <laughs> Whichever <laughs> comes first. Uh, thanks for coming and hanging out, Michael, and everybody else thanks, who came uh, and right. hang out. Uh,
0: everybody I, appreciate it.
1: Yeah, I don't know what we're gonna do next week. So um,
0: <laughs> stay tuned.
1: Yeah, we sort of fly by the seat of our pants here at the Casually Serious podcast. And uh Can't at be the too same serious. Time, Right. We're casually serious about it. So we don't really do any homework on anything. Maybe the day of, we cram a little bit of information. All that shit we just told you, we really just talked about for a half an hour before the show. We don't know any of it. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That was our life. That was hip-hop in Miami, Florida. Thanks for taking the ride with us, ladies and gentlemen. Have a good night, and we'll see you next week on the Casually Serious Podcast.